When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys, and welcome to the first episode of Ahsoka Breakdown. I had a fantastic time last night at the watch party with over 11,000 of you there. It was really great to get back to the original roots of the channel with the watch parties. So a lot happened in this premiere. There were two episodes, obviously, but in this first one, let's cover episode one, and then the next part of this video will cover episode two. So the episode starts off with a red scroll as we get caught up with the timeline. So this is several years after Return of the Jedi. This is a few years after the end of Darth Vader and the Emperor. The Empire has fallen and the New Republic has risen, while agents of the darkness are at work to break the peace. A plot is underway to find Grand Admiral Thrawn and bring him out of exile. The rumors of his return are instilling hope and vengeance in the hearts of remaining Imperials in the galaxy. Hoping to start a new war, former Jedi Knight, and this is where I saw a lot of people in the chat were kind of confused when it said former Jedi Knight. The reason for this, I believe, is because Ahsoka Tano left the Jedi Order, so she doesn't see herself as a Jedi anymore. I am no Jedi. And at the time of her departure, she was the rank of a Padawan, but clearly now she's definitely the rank of Jedi Knight. So Dave calls it former. Morgan Elsbeth, who we saw in The Mandalorian Season 2, revealed a map that leads to Thrawn, which is important to the plot. Elsbeth has been captured by Ahsoka and taken in by the New Republic for trial. As the crawl rolls away, a massive New Republic ship flies into the scene, much like how A New Hope started with the Tanti 4 escaping from the Super Star Destroyer. As we meet the New Republic crew inside, they are being approached by a ship who claim to be Jedi. The captain lets them on board as he scoffs, which to me was kind of ridiculous because it's like, why have this very dangerous prisoner on board who these mysterious people are clearly asking to see and they say that they're Jedi, which are pretty dangerous themselves, so he just invites them on board. They give them an old Jedi clearance code, and it reminded me of Return of the Jedi, where Han tells the Admiral an old code as Vader asks if they have a code, and he's told, it's an old code, sir, but it checks out, which of course Admiral Piet met his demise. As the ship lands and the ramp lowers, Balin Skoll and Shin Hati both enter the scene, reminding me very much of the prequels with Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Trade Federation ship. The captain can't believe Jedi are all the way out here, and he doesn't believe them to be who they say they are. He mocks them and calls them Imperial trash. Balin was very calm and ready to get Elsbeth on a more peaceful route. However, the captain threatened to arrest them after insulting them. To me, this shows that Balin and his apprentice are not as evil as pure Sith would be, because they'd just walk in and kill them all without any hesitation. He gave them a chance meaning he has reasoning and maybe some good in him, which makes sense since he used to be a Jedi. In an interview with the late Ray Stevenson, may he rest in peace, he mentioned that Balin Skoll is a very serious man. He's someone who isn't looking for blood directly, but if you stand in his way, then he is going to clear the path. When Balin orders his apprentice with a simple glance to ignite her orange lightsaber and take them all out, the captain draws his blaster. As Balin controls his hand with the Force, I found this very interesting. If you listen carefully, you can hear the same Force sound that Darth Vader has when he Force chokes someone. Precisely at the moment where Balin squeezes with his open palm, forcing the captain to drop his blaster, I feel like this was him using the same technique of the Force to constrict the captain's wrist muscles and tendons, forcing him 
to drop the weapon. Just a little observation I made. He admits that they aren't Jedi and thrusts his orange blade through the captain's chest, so we know for sure that these guys aren't Jedi, definitely. Balin moves to Elsbeth's cell, having his own hallway scene as he fires blaster bolts at the New Republic troops using the Force. This was a really quick scene, you might have missed it, but they're shooting blasters at him, and then they get shot back with blasters themselves. Elsbeth's door is opened with the Force. Clearly, he is very powerful in the Force, to which he also uses his abilities to uncuff her to freedom. She informs him Ahsoka put her in there, and we switch scenes to where Ahsoka is at. Massive world-building scene here as she walks on the planet Arcana. This is a stronghold built by the Night Sisters of Dathomir. Now, the Night Sisters were magic-wielding beings who were very powerful and very dangerous witches that could rival even the most powerful Force users like Palpatine. Mother Talzin was amongst the most powerful of her time. She also gave Maul his cybernetic legs after becoming a spider, and she ended up fighting Palpatine, Grievous, and Dooku, both in the Clone Wars and in the comics. Ahsoka uses her sabers to twirl down into the tomb. This reminded me of Anakin and Obi-Wan doing this in Revenge of the Sith, aboard the Invisible Hand ship as they escaped Grievous. Now, this whole place that she drops into looks something straight out of Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. It almost looks like the Knight Sisters had ties to the ancient Zepho, which we still don't know all that much about. She sees inscriptions on the wall and statues engraved holding a gold orb. She leans into one of the three pillars to meditate and hear the echoes, making me wonder if she has some sort of psychometry like Cal Kestis or Quinlan Voss. But to be honest, I just think that she's trying to hear the echoes of the Force to unlock this thing and get the orb map. She twists and turns the pillars in various degrees until they retract into the stone floor as a fourth one from the center of the room rises. This reminded me a lot like the fifth element, especially this piece that came up, which turns into sand, as she uncovers the gold orb within it containing the location of Thrawn and Ezra. She reaches out to Hu Yang, the ancient droid that we saw in the Clone Wars that has been instructing students for hundreds of years on how to construct lightsabers. We did see him in the Clone Wars when all of the Jedi Padawans, or rather the younglings, went to Ilum with Master Yoda. The transmission to Hu Yang is very static, so she jumps out with the map, where she is ambushed by an HK droid five of them, to be exact. She fights them, and we see Anakin's apprentice has learned well. She takes them all out in a few moves, and they end up self-destructing. So she runs while they beep, and she jumps into the T-6 Jedi ship at the last second, evading the fire and explosion. She tells Hu Yang to next time stay closer and have her back, where he snarkily replies, as usual, that this is the job of a Jedi Padawan learner to have her back reminding Ahsoka that she once used to be one. Fleet Command hails Fulcrum, which is her code name, and she goes to the ship that Balin and Shin broke Elsbeth out of. Ahsoka meets with Harrison Dula from Rebels, who is played by Ewan McGregor's wife, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Fun little fact. They go over the hollow recordings of Balin, and Ahsoka learns of their Jedi abilities, but Ahsoka doesn't recognize them at all. And we know from the trailer that Balin knows who Anakin is. And judging by his age, I'm guessing he's around the same age that Anakin would have been. Ahsoka says there are very few Force wielders today. After Order 66, the survivors are slim at this point. Hu Yang will analyze their lightsaber hilts to see if he knows their identity. Ahsoka shows Hera the gold map and informs her this leads to Thrawn, that there are whispers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
terms of his survival, meaning Ezra is alive too. Hera tells Ahsoka that you know who can help you with this. And at this point, you know, during the live stream, I was pretty excited. I thought they're meaning Luke Skywalker, but no, of course they meant Sabine. Personally, I think we're going to see Luke eventually in this show. I have a hard time believing we won't, as I think he is the most powerful Jedi here in the galaxy. And with such a major threat, I feel like Ahsoka should reach out to him. We swipe to Lothal, where Governor Ryder Azadi is commemorating Ezra and honoring him in memory for sacrificing himself, along with the help of Kanan, Zeb, Lothwolves, Hera, and Sabine, who is supposed to speak to the crowd, but typical Sabine, she's nowhere to be found. Behind them is the mural from Rebels with the Ghost crew. So this show is basically Rebels Season 5, is kind of how it feels like. Governor Azadi asks Jai Kel to step in for Sabine, and you guys might remember Jai Kel. He was with Ezra at the Imperial Academy. They both escaped together and they joined Azadi's crew. Sabine Wren is racing away on her bike, rebellious as always. We should note also that her patch has the Republic Navy insignia and there are Lothcats on her helmet. Sabine goes home to the old communication tower that Ezra used to live in and feeds her Lothcat, revealing her Mandalorian helmet. Activating an old hologram of Ezra and clearly missing him, he talks about the sacrifices that he made to defeat Thrawn which was the ending of Rebels, where Ezra held Thrawn in place as they were transported into hyperspace with the Pergil, the space whales, which we also saw in the trailers and in episode two. Shin Hattie and Elsbeth are at the Nightsister tomb on Arcana, where she reveals that she is a witch. Our theories were true. Elsbeth indeed is a survivor of the Nightsisters. This is a very big deal because Nightsisters are pretty much extinct. They're even more rare than Jedi in this time. Palpatine had them pretty much all wiped out except for a few like Marin and Jedi Survivor and of course now Elsbeth. And I think maybe this is why Elsbeth didn't use her magic against Ahsoka because she wanted to remain anonymous. Balin confirms that Ahsoka has the map and Elsbeth sends Shin to Lothal to kill Sabine. Ahsoka's apprentice, they say. This is a means to draw her out. Sabine hears Ezra's voice in her dreams, and in the background we see a cool few things here. A scout trooper helmet, as well as a zombie-looking stormtrooper helmet, which reminded me of the novels Red Harvest and Death Troopers, which are about a virus called the Blackwing virus that basically turns you into a zombie. It was a lab study gone wrong, originally intended to make dead flesh come alive again. Anyways, Ahsoka and Sabine meet. She brings her up to speed about the map, hoping that her artistic mind can decipher the orb and open it. If you're new to Rebels, Sabine is very artsy, if you couldn't tell by the color of her hair, or colors. They argue about Ahsoka not being there for Sabine, and Ahsoka says being a Jedi isn't easy, where Sabine says she would have made a good one. The two clearly have a lot of issues to work out, and Hu Yang interrupts them as he has the information on Balin and Shin's lightsaber hilts from his database. Sabine asks Ahsoka to take the map with her to think clearly, and Ahsoka says no in case it gets stolen, which could cause an all-out war because she knows that people are searching for it. Sabine, of course, disobeys and vanishes with it to her home. Hu Yang ran an analysis of the lightsabers of Shin Hati and Balin's skull, and I really love this scene because it shows how long Hu Yang has been around. Now, he couldn't recognize Shin's, but he recognizes Balin's skulls, mentioning that he instructed many students over the years, but there's only one person who created a lightsaber hilt as unique as this one, and that belongs to Balin's skull, who disappeared during the end of the Clone Wars, meaning Order 66. A master and apprentice, Ahsoka confirms. So, Balin obviously used his abilities to escape during Order 66, probably to the Unknown Regions or somewhere where no one could find him, and this is how he survived. Now, as for his apprentice, who has a Jedi braid, I believe we can talk about that in perhaps a different video, but I have a lot to say about her for sure. I don't think that she came from the Jedi Temple. I think she was born after Order 66. It just 
timeline wise doesn't make sense with her age. She looks to be maybe 20 years old. So I really think that she is his daughter or maybe he found her. Sabine goes home to tinker with the map where a probe droid is sent to track her as it returns to Shin Hattie atop a hill giving us the similar theme as Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace when he was tracking Anakin Skywalker and Qui-Gon Jinn. I love that Dave's doing this. Hera's hologram calms Ahsoka down regarding Sabine Wren's disobeyment. Hera tells her that she's Mandalorian, that it's expected. Hera mentions how Anakin probably found Ahsoka difficult at times, and the complete tone of the scene changes. It becomes very serious, the music changes, it becomes a bit more ominous, and Ahsoka becomes very serious and stern, telling her she never finished being trained by Anakin, that she walked away from Anakin, much like she walked away from Sabine in Rebels. Sabine finally opens the map as it expels coordinates. She is ambushed by HK assassin droids who steal it. She grabs Ezra's lightsaber and meets Shin Hati downstairs, igniting it. They fight and Shin, I believe, is toying with Sabine, or what it seems like, because I assume that she's doing this. It just wouldn't make sense if Sabine and her are going toe-to-toe equally. Shin has the force, she's much more powerful, she's been training this entire time, her whole life, whereas Sabine hasn't been. Shin has a Padawan braid, which Sith don't have, meaning that she is trained probably in both ways of the force, making her very dangerous, and I would say maybe leading more into the ideals of the Jedi than not, which makes them very interesting characters, and kind of makes me think that their orange lightsabers are particularly because they used to have blue or green ones, and they're now more so dark, like dark Jedi, but aren't pure Sith. I'll make a video about that at another time. Ahsoka and Huyang race to Sabine, but not in time, as she is stabbed in the side of the stomach, which makes Qui-Gon Jinn roll in his grave, probably. This is the end of episode one. Shin Hattie gets away with the map, Sabine is wounded, and then we'll pick up in the next episode. So, first of all, right off the bat, I think this was a fantastic start to the series. The world building was superb. It didn't feel all tight and claustrophobic like the Kenobi show did. The dialogue, the acting, the costume costumes, and the music were absolutely phenomenal. I feel like there were a few moments where the episode dragged a bit, especially in episode two. However, I feel like the overall story is really interesting and it's keeping me engaged, not to mention, of course, the characters are really important. I'm really excited to see where we go with this new galaxy that we're about to learn of in the next episode. So stay tuned for the next breakdown. I hope you enjoyed episode one. Make sure to leave a like on the vid and let's begin with episode two. Sabine wakes up in the care facility with Ahsoka watching over her. Her lightsaber wound to the right of her abdomen seems to not have killed her, but left her severely injured. Now, I think it's pretty comical how many people can get stabbed in the abdomen, no matter where it is, and survive except for Qui-Gon Jinn. But I do have a video just on that topic itself, and I'll release that at another time as to why he was the only one that actually died, despite being, well, I think, more powerful than anyone else that got stabbed, especially Riva. Sabine tells Ahsoka that she unlocked the map, and then the droids stole it. Ahsoka is pretty upset. She remembers nothing about the location of the star system, and Ahsoka walks out, saying, you've done enough. Balin and Shin land at this really cool relic site that we find out in a bit was actually not made by Jedi, but an ancient civilization from another galaxy. Now, this relic site has stones that are surrounding a center, holding a place for the map, clearly indicative of giving the location of Thrawn. He places it down, yet it doesn't activate. They need Morgan Elsbeth and her witchcraft. At this point, we hear the Kylo Ren theme very briefly for maybe like two seconds, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I have a few theories about it. However, I wouldn't go too into detail on it. Now, perhaps there are things in the unknown regions or 
in this other galaxy that we'll learn about that could connect to the sequel trilogy and perhaps secret missions that Palpatine had out there with Exegol or whatever else he might have been doing. Palpatine was very knowledgeable and he was always trying to go into other depths of galaxies itself, not just the one he was in. Or maybe, you know, Luke Skywalker was out there as well, venturing the galaxies as he was doing, or really it's nothing at all, just a cool theme. As Balin looks to the skies, we see what looks like Purgil. So we're getting closer and closer as the Purgil were the ones who actually engaged in a organic hyperspace with Ezra and Thrawn. Ahsoka heads to Sabine's home to cover the tracks and feel the tremors in the forest to see what happened, giving a bit of a psychometry vibe. As she walks around inside, she kills the HK assassin droid, waiting for him, kind of drawing him out like bait, as she brings the head back to Sabine, hoping to recover the information and origins of this droid, and who sent it. They learn that this droid is from Corellia. And so Ahsoka remembers Elsbeth had factories on Corellia, so she heads there with Hera. As Elsbeth arrives at the scene with the map, she uses Night Sister magic, which is the first time that we see it in live action. I'm a really big fan of Night Sisters. I think having magic and witchcraft in Star Wars is pretty freaking cool. She tells us that this place wasn't built by the Jedi, but rather an ancient people from a distant galaxy. I think this could be people like the Zepho. However, of course, Zepho are from this galaxy, and she says specifically that these people, or beings, are from a distant one. So if there are beings in our own galaxy or in the Star Wars galaxy that we don't even know about, it makes you kind of wonder about the galaxies we haven't yet discovered. There's a little more to this scene, which I'm going to get to in a minute. The map rises with the help of green magic as it opens and gives the location of Thrawn, the pathway to Peridia. Balin says that the younglings at the Jedi Temple, the kids at the Jedi Temple, used to call it that. It's a fairy tale. Ones that are based on truths. Balin says the path forward is clouded, whereas Elsbeth hears Thrawn's voice across time and space. She confirms this is where he's been banished and stuck. Balin says that galaxy, Peridia, has power that we have never seen before. I believe that this is a galaxy with a new set of rules. New people, new powers, powers beyond the Force, perhaps even beyond magic. I think it's absolutely brilliant and super fun and refreshing how Dave has created another galaxy, many of them, in fact, as the map showed, and is introducing new civilizations that make even Balin, a powerful Jedi who survived Order 66, amazed. Ahsoka and Hera observe the hyperdrives being dismantled on Corellia to be repurposed to the New Republic. As they learn that ex-Imperials work for the New Republic, still on payroll, they were never fired. They all kept their same job, just no longer under the Empire. They talk about Sabine becoming Ahsoka's apprentice again, and Ahsoka is reluctant. A medical droid attends to Sabine's wounds. This is the same class of droid that worked on Anakin as he transformed into Darth Vader in The Revenge of the Sith. In Palpatine's Imperial Medical Facility, Hu Yang walks in and tells Sabine that Ezra's lightsaber is actually now hers because she has modified it to her liking. He hands it to her after some encouraging words, and she's going to get serious now instead of being such a rebellious, well, brat in my opinion. We learn that these dismantled Imperial fleet ships, when sold, are very profitable to fund many different New Republic projects, amongst other things, and this raises a red flag for both Hera and Ahsoka. As Hera notices outside the window that the hyperdrive core is being built, they ask about it and they're told that nine have been built as well. Now this core is way too big to be used for any New Republic ship, so it raises another red flag. 
The information is classified and General Harrison Dula is being denied. Ahsoka asks about the HK assassin droids that could be repurposed here and still be here as they learn a droid of this class does indeed exist here, unbeknownst to the manager, currently departing on that very transport outside. The traitorous workers scream for the Empire and attack Ahsoka and Hera as Hera races for the ghost and Ahsoka jumps out the window facing Merok. The Inquisitor is loyal to Balin, it seems, as he holds a red lightsaber. Now, I tried to find as much information about this Inquisitor as I could. Of course, it's no longer an Inquisitor, but it seems to be kind of like a almost mercenary. It seems to be loyal to Balin. Clearly, it knows the way of a lightsaber and the force. They fight as Hera chases the hyperdrive core being transported. Chopper tries to find the tracker as he throws a literal big Lego piece out, finally finding what he was looking for. I found this to be really hilarious. Super little Easter egg, but it was there. Merrick can't take Ahsoka and ends up running away to his ship. I have no clue who this is. Heck, it could even be a girl. It could be Barriss Offee, but I don't know. Ahsoka dodges his lightsaber as it returns to him. She's in control of all her emotions and can sense everything. She's very samurai, very one with the force. Sabine heads back home, lays her Mandalorian armor out like a samurai, kneels before it, which is very ritual-like, and cuts her hair. The Imperial loyalists on Corellia are arrested, and also, for a fun fact, Corellia is where Han Solo was raised. Sabine sends a hollow image to Ahsoka of her in armor. She is ready. So we're now at pretty much the end of Rebels, where she dons the armor, observing the mural of the ghost crew, touching Ezra's face, hoping that she finds him alive and okay. As she turns around to see Ahsoka landing to pick her up, we're all now pretty caught up and ready to find Ezra and Thrawn in the unknown regions, or rather, in another galaxy. Hu Yang informs them that Harrison Dula has tracked the ship, and it's in the Denab system in orbit around the planet Cetos. As the hyperdrive cores are being put together, we can see that this thing is freaking huge. Clearly something big enough for a massive ship to be launched into hyperspace, or perhaps open a portal using the power of the hyperdrive cores. Balin confirms to Elsbeth that Ahsoka is coming, as he appears in some mystic-looking hologram that we haven't really seen before. Standing next to him is Shinhati, and on the other side is Merok. He tells Elsbeth that to kill Ahsoka would be a shame, as there are so few Jedi left. And she questions if he has confliction, and he says, no, just being honest. So I do think he has confliction. I think that he will either be redeemed or maybe killed, turning back into a full Jedi. As I don't think he's fully ready to act on these dark deeds that Thrawn and Elsbeth are paying him to do. I think for sure that Shin Hattie will be redeemed as she's very young and almost looks maybe like she's still confused uh, what side is really right and wrong for her. But it's still very early to tell. I think the character of Shin Hattie for me is probably the most interesting. I really like her acting. I think she's pretty epic and I'm excited to see where her story develops, as well as to understand who she is and why she still has a Padawan braid. Maybe they're just faking this whole thing. Maybe they're just pretending to be working for Elsbeth and Thrawn. In reality, they're trying to get something else out of it. I don't know, but nothing is always as it seems, and I feel like when you're once a Jedi and you kind of still have these Jedi tendencies like a Padawan braid or having a orange lightsaber instead of Sith red, it makes me wonder, you know, where does their allegiance lie? Maybe there's a bit of confliction there, like Mace Windu had a purple lightsaber. So anyways, that's the end of this episode. I think things are really caught up now. They've 
basically brought all of the regular fans who never watched Rebels on board, and everyone's pretty much ready to go at this point. Personally, I'm extremely excited. I think this show so far, with these two episodes, is a 9 out of 10. I think there were a few moments that really dragged on that were a little bit slow, but I mean, overall, the show really has a great character development already, and the story is building really nicely. So I'm excited for episode three coming next week. I'll see you all at that watch party, as well as the many videos that I'll be making to explain a lot of different things for the show. So subscribe if you haven't already. Hit like on this video if you enjoyed the breakdown. And I will see you guys all in the next episode here on Star Wars Theory or on Star Wars Theory Podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Until the next one, remember the Force will be with you always.